What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 43rd edition of the Mendoza Line podcast. I am one of your hosts. I go by the name of Cam. Your other host, he's dashing, he's daring, he's even debonair, goes by the name of Nick Coates. What's up? I go by, I go by the name Nick. <laughs> yes, you go by the name Nick. I'm great, Cam. Playoff baseball in full swing. It's always exciting. And yeah, it's always good to uh, catch up with you and uh, chat a little bit about baseball. Yeah, I actually was working last night, big shock, and I uh, had the game cast pulled up on uh, our cash register slash iPad. Um, mm-hmm. It was keeping track and, and uh was actually quite sad not to be able to watch the game because, as I've said before, playoff baseball is a unique game. I mean, everything counts. So much so, as we'll talk about later, the Yankees pulled their starting pitcher after only recording one out. That would never happen in a regular season game. Ever. Yeah, it was was interesting. Yeah, well, uh, obviously we'll get into a little bit more of the playoffs and uh, the Mendozias as well. We got a jam-packed episode for you, but... Yeah, I'm excited. um, yeah, I watched. I actually watched it with a a fellow Yankees fan. So fellow Yankees fan. Yeah, when did you become a Yankees fan? No, when uh someone I work with. So he uh he's a Yankees fan. Watched it with me. We watched the first inning last night. Um, but I'm a little mad at him because he's he's humanizing the Yankees a little bit. It was a lot nicer when I didn't really know anyone and I could just idly you know despise them from afar. But he uh he's made them more human to me but anyways it was a yeah chocked full first inning lead off home run from Dozier and then a a total Yankee Stadium home run by Rosario that just scraped over the right field wall um Twins were feeling pretty good they had lost 12 straight playoff games uh going into last night so they were up three to nothing top of the first um but I I told him I was like Irvin Santana, the is not an ace, so <laughs> very good chance that you're going to be right back in this game. So the Yankees tied it up pretty much immediately on a, a three-run home run by Didi Gregorius, and then yeah, it was a I think it was an 81 pitch first inning, took almost an hour. Well, and that's what confused me. Well, as I was at work, I had pulled the game up, you know, right at about seven o'clock when the game started because I'm in the Central Time Zone. And then we got kind of busy, and I went back and checked, and I was like, gosh, it's, it, the game's been going for an hour already. we got to be in, like, the end of the third, fourth inning, you know? And I look, and it's 3-3, three to three, top of the second. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, maybe the game started at 7.30, and I had it wrong. But, no, yeah. just lots and lots of pitches and lots and lots of runs. Yep. So we... Pretty much at that point, I knew it was over. I just the the twins have just had an impossible time in New York and their history. And um, yeah, Brett Gardner hit a home run, and then Aaron Judge, of course, hit a home run, and um, it was pretty much over. I think I went to bed, or it was like the fourth inning, and I was like, "There's no way I'm staying up." Plus, there's no way that the twins are winning this game. So, yeah, didn't really miss anything. Twins won handily to uh, to move on, face the Indians. So that, that sets up a really solid four-team playoff bracket in the AL. Uh, yeah, 
the uh, the four best teams left. So it'll be a lot of fun. Um, I don't know if you saw the unfortunate foul ball that Gary Sanchez took. Did you see that yesterday? I I did not know. Yeah, so right right in the twig and berries. So. <laughs> was he, he? He's not wearing a cup. He was, but still. Well, still, but hurts. You, yeah, really badly. So it yeah it does, but the cup you know will be the difference between having twig and berries and not. Exactly. So congratulations to the Yankees. Shout out to Billy if you uh, are listening to this. Congratulations. But we'll see uh, what happens against the Indians. So, so yeah, we'll uh, go ahead and talk a little bit about the playoffs. So we're, you know, we've had a pretty good idea for the, you know, the last two or three weeks about uh, what the playoff seedings would be. We're just kind of waiting to see if the Twins would wrap up the second wild card in the American League, which they did, and if uh, the Brewers or Cardinals could catch the Rockies, which they got close a few times, but the Rockies pulled it out uh, at the end. So. Rockies and Diamondbacks are going to be uh, playing here in about 15 minutes. So it should be a good matchup between uh, Zach Grinke and Jonathan Gray. So, yeah, winner will play the Dodgers, which will be a good series. Um, it's kind of, yeah, fascinating. I, I really I don't have a pull either way, really. Um, so I'm, I'm just interested to see what happens. But the, uh, can't be, the Dodgers can't really feel good about either of those teams because those are teams that play them a lot, and I don't think they're going to be too too worried. I don't, I don't think either of them are really dominated. I know the Rockies and Diamondbacks both went in there at early September and swept swept them at, uh, at L.A. So um should be, even though the Dodgers uh, finished with the the best record, you know, it'll still be, still be a really good series. And then Nationals-Cubs will also be a good series as well with the... Um, added intrigue of Max Scherzer left his last start in the regular season with a slight pull of his hamstring. So that could be an unfortunate uh, handicap for the Nationals to uh, have their ace dealing with that that sort of injury that has to affect him and is not necessarily going to go away. It's not a quick healing injury. So that could add a lot of uh, intrigue and could set up nicely for the Cubs. And then um, the other divisional series in the American League, the uh, the Red Sox and the Astros will be scoring off in a in a yeah really solid series. That uh that first game, Chris Sale versus Justin Verlander, that'll be a that'll be a ton of fun to watch. Yeah, the only series I'm kind of not looking forward to is the Yankees Indians because um ew, <laughs> yeah, but everything else to me is like there's lots of reasons why the games are going to be exciting. You yeah. Know? The Indians have it set up really well too. They're, they're throwing Trevor Bauer in game one, but they're going to throw Kluber in game two and how the schedule works. They're going to be able to throw him if there's a game five on full rest. So unless the Yankees, uh, you know, beat Kluber in game two, they pretty much have to sweep or they're going to have to beat Kluber twice which is going to be a tall task. Definitely can be done, but it sets up well for the, the Indians to be able to have their ace on the mound if there is a you know, deciding game five. But as much as, yeah, you know, I'm not as big of an Indians hater as you are, I, you know, I still am intrigued by that division series, but 
but yeah, besides that, all all other matchups, even you know, depending, it doesn't even really matter if it's the Diamondbacks or Rockies against the Dodgers. It's going to be really intriguing, and I you know I would say all teams that are really good and deserve to be there. You know, the Twins, you could argue when you look at their team, like not super impressive, especially with their pitching staff. But everyone else has some really solid pitching and um, lineups, so sets up for a really fun. Really fun playoffs. I'm excited. So we um we can actually reference quickly. So if you remember, all the way back at the beginning of the year, we uh we made oh, some yes, picks. Our, our predictions, yes. So I uh I think we should pat ourselves on the back. Um, so you did the American League and you picked the Red Sox, Indians, and Astros. So you were three for and, three, and the wild card Yankees and Rangers. So four for five. I four will. for five. I will take that eighty percent. Yeah, and you did. Gloat about it. You did great. So I, I also picked Red Sox, Indian Astros for the division, but then I totally got the wild cards wrong. I uh, picked the Rangers and Mariners. So they, they both were pretty, pretty mediocre this season. But um, and if I remember correctly, I think you gave me some grief for picking the Yankees. I could be wrong, but I feel like that was not a popular decision. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, the Yankees. <laughs> They had, they had definitely come off of, they were rebuilding last year. They traded away um, some important pieces, but they did get Chapman back. And, um, you know, you could argue, you know, they, you know, they obviously made some moves to contend this year. And, you know, I was talking to my friend Billy last night, and there's definitely some controversy in starting Severino, who, like you had mentioned, only lasted less than an inning uh, when they, Spent all those assets in trading for Sonny Gray, who was a little bit older with more experience. I was a little surprised they didn't start him in the wildcard game, but obviously it sets up nicely for them to have him start in game one. But yeah, they I think they're a little bit ahead of schedule and just how, you know, good they are and yeah, that they're in the ALDS uh, a year after uh selling some parts for a rebuild, so must be nice for the Yankees to have a, you know, finally get a break and have things go their way. So <laughs> after struggling, still, still playing that old song, are you struggling so much for the past couple of years? It's my favorite joke of all time. <laughs> so, so then I picked, I actually picked the national league and picked the nationals, Cubs and Dodgers. So we were six or I was six for six on um, divisional picks, but, um, I will not pat myself back, uh, pat, pat myself on the back too much because I also picked the Giants and Cardinals to be in the wild card. So the Giants ended up having the tied for the worst record in all of baseball. So yeah, I got that <laughs> one wrong. But to be fair, that was no one was expecting them to be that bad. So yeah, Bumgarner, so you went. You went six for six in the divisional and zero for four in the wild card. Yeah, so Bumgarner hurt his shoulder early on, and they got in a huge hole and never could climb out. So Cardinals were obviously they were right in the race. That was my closest one, probably, but um, pretty impressive. Yeah, and then we our World Series picks. I picked the Dodgers against the Red Sox, with the Dodgers winning it all, and you picked Cubs versus Red Sox. So. Both of our World Series picks are still very much in play. 
Yes, we shall see. And I have the Red Sox winning over the Cubs in the World yes. Series. So I, I probably feel the least confident about the Red Sox for whatever reason, you know, and the Dodgers really. They looked as bad as their second half has been, but you know, for the sake of consistency, I'll I'll stick with my preseason pick and go Dodgers over Red Sox uh, in the World Series. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, the fact that the Red Sox are going to have to get through the Astros and then the winner of the Yankees and the Indians, like, that's going to be pretty hard. Yeah, Astros, I mean, they're much more formidable now with the Verlander, for sure. You like them a, yeah. whole lot, a whole lot better with him pitching game one and then Keiko game two as opposed to Keiko and then whoever else. So <laughs> they, I mean, they, pray, they paid a lot for him. But that's exactly why they did so. So, speaking of your Tigers, just one last mention this year. So, I did want to congratulate you on the Tigers wrapping up the number one pick in the draft next year. So, that's a nice consolation prize for the year that ended up being, as the Tigers will have their pick of the litter of anyone in the domestic United States uh, for amateur baseball next year. So, woohoo! Well, uh, yeah, Tigers are picking one and the Reds are picking five. So hopefully this is the last year for both of us that our teams are picking in the top 10 because that means that it was a long summer. I am uh, I'm not getting my hopes up, man. <laughs> we literally like <laughs> we sold or traded everyone. Sorry, I'm in soccer mode saying sold. Um, Pretty much everyone that isn't named Cabrera. And there were some games at the end of the season where I saw names on the sheet I'd never seen before. Like, who's this dude playing whatever Oh, position? yeah, it was. And they, I realized they brought up, you know, um, some minor leaguers, but, oh, man. It was not a fun end to the baseball season. That is for certain. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I like to think that I know a lot of players and, yeah, towards the end of the year, that whoever the Tigers were putting out there, it was, it was pretty rough. So, but yeah, like I said, it should be a great playoffs. I mean, all the teams are very unique in how they're structured. I mean, even the Yankees, they, uh, I mean, they were able to pull their starter last night, and they have a plethora of bullpen arms down there that can go multiple innings, and they really build up the game and. Um, I think that's where we're really beginning a a trend shift in the playoffs from, you know, only a few guys are really trusted to go more than five, six innings anymore. You know, your Verlanders, Sales, Klubers being them, but pretty much everyone else, if they can get to five innings, at that point, the teams are going to turn it over to their bullpen. And following the Indians model of last year, the, the... Ideal is that you have a couple guys that can span a couple innings like that and really bridge the gap to to a dominant closer. So that makes it you gotta you gotta jump on those starters early. Um and the starters are, you know, they're going 110% right off the bat. So it'll be interesting to watch and we'll uh we'll definitely cover it as we go through. So yeah, I'm not feeling super confident about my Cubs Red Sox pick anymore. I'm just gonna <laughs> just gonna say hey, that and then we can move we on. Can, 
at least we can say that the Cardinals didn't make it. So America wins in that regard. <laughs> oh boy. So I have a lot of snarky things I could say about that, but we, we can move on. So we, uh, we want to move on to our, our main topic. So we've got a couple different cl- uh, classes of awards that we want to give out. So on one hand, we, we do want to acknowledge the excellence that is, um, you know, that certain players had this year, um, whether it be MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year. And then we're going to have our fabled Mendozies. So we've got some some really good stats of guys that just didn't quite make it up to the the Mendoza line. So I was looking back at our Mendoza winners last year, and I don't think any of them were in the league this year. So not a good omen if you're on the Mendozies for your future uh, Major League Baseball plans. So, Which is going to be interesting for one or two very, yeah. very specific players that made the list this year. Yeah, a little bit of a... Uh, I hope they can they can shrug this curse off and and carry on into a successful major league career. Yeah, a little bit of a uh, appetizer there. So we won't we'll uh, leave you hanging so you keep listening. But yeah, there's a couple stats that I was surprised by. But so in starting off with our with our good awards, um, it was actually a clean sweep as far as we all picked the same the same players for all these awards, which is, which is a first. So I, I don't know if you look, if you picked up mine, but I think we both independently came to these decisions on our own. So it wasn't just like we, uh, we copied each other because it would be much better radio if we disagreed, but <laughs> we, uh, we, yeah, we came to a consensus. No, so. There was three that I wanted to disagree with you on. Um, but I ultimately, I couldn't. Cause you knew that I was right. Well, no, because I like I went and looked, and then I wrote the name down, and then I looked at what you wrote, and I went, "Well, crap, that's the same name." Then I went back and looked at the stats, and I was like, "Oh, this guy's really close," but I can't, in good conscience, give this person the award just to disagree with you. The other person deserves it more, you know. So, in in uh, my desire to choose correctly over to disagree, I chose correctly. I appreciate um, you keeping me humble. So we can, um, yeah, we can alternate a little bit, I guess. So it's not just one of us talking, but so starting off with AL MVP, we both picked Aaron Judge. So this was, this was, uh, you may not know this, but this was, you know, one of the closer ones for me as well um, in deciding uh, because there was, you know, some definitely some some guys in the American League that had really good seasons, uh, including Jose Altuve, uh, like you mentioned. But, you know, I think with Judge, just and what he was able to do as a rookie, you know, he was a guy that he was definitely known in the prospect world uh, for his power. But there was a ton of questions about his ability to maintain consistent contact and not strike out at a unsustainable rate because he always had pretty high strikeout rates in the minors. And that's not necessarily something that improves in the majors as pitching becomes more difficult. But this is a guy that was able to go out and hit uh, over 50 home runs and break the rookie 
home run record and in a lot of ways carry the Yankees um to uh to a playoff berth um because you I mean you look at that lineup and it's definitely not the Yankees of the the mid 90s where it's just uh you know prof- professional hitter after professional hitter there's some young guys in there there's some you know they had Greg Bird starting last night who missed most of the year and uh hitting it was hitting under 200 um so you got it's a young team and he was you know, with Gary Sanchez, one of the bigger parts of the offense, and um, I believe they were they were in the top five in both hitting and ERA. So he was a big part of the hitting, obviously. So yeah, I think a a well des a well deserved award for him, and I think one that he will be voted in um, by the professional writers as well. So, but yeah, he uh, he had a really good year. So it'll be interesting to see if he's able to maintain that because that's quite the quite the start Um, i'm not really sure how you top uh the season that he was able to put up this year yeah uh this was the one of the awards where i was very um conflicted i really wanted to give it to jose altuve uh he mean he hit 346 which is almost 60 point 62 points better than than um judge Judge struck out 208 times. And, I mean, just ultimately for me, though, it came down to the home runs, the RBIs, the OPS, the fact that he walked 127 times, 114 RBIs. He only missed seven games the entire season as a rookie. Um, I really wanted to give it to Altuve just to be contrarian, but I I do think that, that Judge deserves it. But it just hurts to give it to a guy who hit two sixty four. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, we're we are progressing more into where OBP is becoming more uh, more accepted. So he he obviously had a much better OBP. Uh, much 14. better. He no, his OBP was twelve points higher than Altuve's. Altuve had a four ten OBP. Yeah, so he's four twenty four twenty two, which is very impressive. It, it's the OPS that that you start to see a little bit of separation. Judge is at ten forty nine and LTV is at nine fifty seven, so there's a ninety two point gap there. But I mean, LTV also had thirty two stolen bases and had fifty more hits and fifteen more doubles. So it it just it depends on what you're you know focusing on. But yeah, I I do think Judge deserves it. I just think LTV deserves to be a very very close second. That's all I'm saying. I uh I totally agree. All right, so this next one did surprise me a little bit in that we did agree. Um and I did lie because this one was also tough and I probably picked the guy that's not going to win it. Um although he could, but I will admit this was a bit of a homer pick. So I picked Joey Votto to win the NL MVP. So you you may ask how the uh the NL MVP can win that award being on one of the worst teams in in the league, which I would say, you know, without him, the Reds will probably be even more atrocious. And how do you define value? Is it totally based on, you know, being able to win championships, which that is an important part of it. But, I mean, you can't take away from what Joey did, uh, despite the fact that his team around him was just awful. I think it makes it even more impressive because 
um, how he was able to really carry the team offensively with with some help. I mean, our offense wasn't bad, but definitely, you know, to to be on that team and especially at the beginning of the year when our pitching was just even more atrocious and to be able to stay focused and produce at his level with as bad as they were is impressive. So, yeah, I picked Joey. I mean, he, Giancarlo Stanton, I think, is the probably the favorite to win. I mean, the guy hit 59 home runs this year, which is impressive. But, you know, Joey in his 80, his age 33 season was, I think he's one of the fewer, few players ever to have 100 runs, 35 home runs, 100 RBIs, and hit over 300. So there's like a very short list of Hall of Famers on that list as well. But he also, a big reason why I ended up choosing him was he got on base. Um, I can't remember the exact number, but it was like 50 more times than the, the person in second, which I think was John Carlo. So he ended up with a 454 on base percentage. Yeah, and John Carlo's at 376. Which by far led the league. So if you define value as not making outs, then Joey was, you know, by far the most valuable in that regard. So just, you know, super, super impressive. Um, just, I mean, I, I have the pleasure of watching him every day, but he, he does, he did so well in that regard, but he also, I mean, he hit, he hit 312 and he, I think there is, there's all these crazy statistics about his season, but I think there was, he got on base, I think a hundred, he played every single game, started every single game. I think he got on base 140 of those games. Um, so that there were only, I think 22 or something that he did not get on base, which is pretty incredible. And um, he's still, he slugged 578. So that's nothing to slouch at. It's not staying 631. I mean, 36 home runs is nothing to sneeze at. So, you know, he uh, won the MVP in 2010, and I would love to see him recognized for his his work of art that was 2017, especially as, you know, a 33-year-old on a, on a bad team. So that's why I picked Joey. I don't think it matters. I don't think it should matter what team you play for when you're being presented for an individual award. Like so many times I see like, you know, MVP in, you know, um, baseball or in the NBA or in college football for the Heisman. Oh, well, he's not on a good enough team, so he shouldn't be given the award. Like it's an individual, like I've, we've had this discussion before. I think it's ridiculous that the team you play for is brought into consideration when you're being considered for an individual award. It's just dumb. It doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. So do I feel like, the people that vote for that think that way? No, they don't. It's obvious. Just look at the results over the last, you know, 10 or 15 years. Um, so I, I think you're right that they're probably going to give it to Giancarlo Stanton. Um, and that's the name I saw first when I looked, and I was like, man, he did have a really good year. But then I was like, but he struck out 163 times. He hit 281. His OBP was 376. Wasn't that great. The only reason his slugging percentage is so high is because of those home runs. He, let's see, 163 strikeouts, man. It's just not great. But you look at a guy like Joey Votto, who played every single game, and in 38 less at-bats, had more hits, more doubles, more triples, 50 more walks, half as many strikeouts, three more stolen bases, 
39 points better on the average, 78 points better on the OBP, and 25 points better on the OPS. For a terrible team. (laughs) Yeah, he had... Like, Miami almost made the playoffs. They were in it right up until the end. And Do you you know how hard it is to walk more than you strike out? It's... And it's not even close. It's 83 strikeouts to 134 walks. It's not even close. That's just, uh, that's, he has 20 intentional walks too. Well, and to that point, Stanton has 85 walks and 163 strikeouts, almost double. He's off by seven from being almost twice as many strikeouts as walks. Yeah. So he, I mean, Votto was right up there in strikeout percentage, you know, leading the league. So. You can't. And he and four fifty four on base. That's nearly one out of two. Yeah. That's insane. I know. He uh he had an amazing season. You know, the only thing really he struggled at, and that's just because he's getting older, is he's not a very good base runner anymore. He's really slow. He still he, he still stole five bases. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure how that happened, but he he definitely made it a point this year too to improve his defense to where he had a pretty rough year a couple of years ago and he he definitely improved in that um this year so he yeah just had a really well-rounded year and um yeah great leader <laughs> had a lot of fun this year um despite the uh, the struggles that he had but yeah i just i think we have a really good case and i think the more that i read people who are coming out and defense of him articulating the same case we are, you know, maybe he does have a bit of a chance um, to get beyond that. The, uh, the old school looking at, you know, strictly average home runs and RBIs as uh, the uh, defining measures of value. Well, here's hoping, man. Here's hoping. We'll see. We've definitely come a long way in that area. So, all right. So AL Cy Young. So we both picked, we both picked Corey Kluber. Gross. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't help myself sometimes. A guy that's won it before. So, you know, this guy's a stud. He he was amazing for the Indians. 200 innings, 265 strikeouts, 225 ERA, 0.87 whip. Um, you know, Chris Sale was right up there as well. But his, uh, his ERA and whip were, high, were definitely higher. Um, and his uh, batting average against, he got more yeah. guys on. More guys got hits, and he walked more batters, gave up more home runs, gave up more earned runs, um, gave up more hits. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I mean, Sale had be- an amazing year. That still, being said, but... Sale did play three more games than Kluber did, so yeah. you have to take that into consideration. Um, for sure, the uh, the near three ERA was what hurts him, but I mean. Rick Porcello won last year with over a three ERA, I believe. So it it was nice to have some more clear. Um, you know, it's, I remember it was really tough to pick the AL Cy Young last year, and uh, Porcello won. But I think you could argue that Verlander should have. But yeah, Kluber had a great year. Sale was right behind him. You know, Luis Severino as bad of a year as he or as bad of a night as he had last night had a really solid year. Um, for the Yankees, um, but still trade those other two. So, yeah, Corey Kluber won. Yeah, and I will say that even though um, Sale had three more games than Kluber, he only pitched 11 more innings. 
So that's that's the better um, tell of, of who the better pitcher is, is that in 11 more innings, he was much worse in, he had, he gave up in 11 innings, seven more walks, three more home runs, 18 more earned runs, and 17 more total runs, mm-hmm. and 24 more hits. So that's a lot to give up in 11 more. Now, he also struck out a bunch more dudes. We're looking at like 43 more guys in those extra 11 innings, which mm-hmm. is, you know, pretty stinking impressive. But yeah, overall, I think the body of work speaks for uh, Corey Kluber for sure. Yeah, with a, with a strong, you know, nod of the batting helmet to Chris Sale. Yep, absolutely. And I think Chris Sale, I mean, had a Cy Young worthy season, but Kluber was just a little bit better. All right, uh, National League Cy Young, you want to take this one? Yeah, yep. Just another ex Tiger winning another Cy Young award. Real cool, Max Scherzer. Real cool. <laughs> Yeah, it's he, cool. It's just what two years in a row that an ex Tiger pitcher has won the Cy Young. Yep, and um, you know Verlander will probably be up there again. So impressive the uh, yeah the guys that the Tigers used to have. <laughs> they they could fill a really good rotation if you take guys that played for the Tigers in the last five to seven years. Yeah, you're but, so funny, Nick. You're so funny. I'm I'm not trying to rub it in. <laughs> So yeah, Scherzer had a great year. He he just was over 200, so he he missed a few starts this year. Found it interesting. Really, there's only, I believe, I think Chris Sale led the league in innings pitched at 214, which I think normally you see that number closer to 230. Um, so I think either teams are being a little bit more conservative, or yeah, I think guys that. Typically, like Sale, Kluber, Scherzer, they did have some small injury issues throughout the year and didn't necessarily um, pitch the full allotment. And I think those teams as well, they I mean, they're, there's something to not spinning all of your bullets with your aces during the season. So, uh, but yeah, he ended up with uh, just over 200 innings pitched um, and <clears throat> led the National League pitcher, starting pitchers in war. At six, he had uh, 12, 12 strikeouts per nine innings, um, two two fifty one ERA. So I mean, he had pretty typical Scherzer year as far as dominating and um, you know peripheral stats all look really good and really tough guy to hit because he's got those crazy eyes. Yeah, and I would say his his two main competitors for the award are going to be Kershaw and Strasburg. Um, but Kershaw obviously got hurt and missed time. So I think that's going to um, not, it's going to disallow him from winning the award. Yeah. I mean, he missed, he missed over a month. Yeah. And that's, he's, he's ahead of Scherzer in like whip and ERA, but he's also pitched 25 less innings, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I mean, four less starts. So Kershaw had a Kershaw year. He just again he he dealt with some hurt. back dealt with some back issues and part of the value of winning the Cy Young is being able to pitch the whole year, which Kershaw has not been able to do. So, um, yeah he'll he'll get some he'll be up there again, no doubt. And I was I was impressed by Strasburg when I really looked at his numbers, how he was 
he dealt with some a little bit of injuries like he always does, but he was able to put together a really nice year and throw um, over 175 innings, which uh, is pretty good for him. And hey, the Nat—I mean, the Nationals have him healthy too, so the bummer for well, them that Scherzer's dealing with that bit, or they would have you know the best one-two punch in the playoffs. Well, and they probably have the best one-two-three punch because Gio Gonzalez. Is, Gio Gonzalez had as, a great year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, his ERA—he's sub three-two. I mean, as far as I can tell, based on the stats I'm looking at, he's the fifth best pitcher by ERA, which I realize is not necessarily the the end-all, be-all statistic, but. I mean, having two, three, and five on that list, that's not something I would want to go against in the playoffs. I mean, Gonzalez, who really stepped it up this year, he's he's been pretty average for a while, but he he had a pretty rough September and just and he still had an ERA under three and uh, threw over two hundred innings, which that's uh, very very rare. So that's a very valuable pitcher, and that's your three. So. Uh, yeah, and that's more, my point. He's not your ace, he's your third pitcher. Like that's pretty darn good. The more I'm thinking about this, yeah. The Nationals are if they put it together, they have just as good of a shot as everyone. All right. Well, should we talk about the young bucks? Yeah, the the rookies of the year are pretty easy. Like there's not a ton of debate with this one. So um yeah. got Corey Bellinger in the National League. Cody or Bellinger? Cody, sorry. Cody Bellinger in the National League. Um, he missed, you know, almost the first month of the season. He was not even in the major leagues. And he, yeah, he still came out and hit almost 40 home runs. So, yeah, when he hit the scene, it was like, you know, extra, extra read all about it. Cody Bellinger's here. Like, it was a pretty impressive start. Yeah, he missed a month, so he played 132 games and had 39 home runs, uh, 97 RBIs, 10 steals, um, had 11% walkout rate, which is walk rate, which is great, and worth four WAR as a rookie. So yeah, he uh, poor Adrian Gonzalez got Wally pipped out of his job pretty pretty early on in the season. To where, yeah, I remember that was a an honest discussion of where's Bellinger going to play because I mean he could play some outfield, but he was by far the Dodgers' best first base option this year, and he he's a good first baseman defensively too. Um, so yeah, he was big part of the Dodgers' run this year, and then of course Aaron Judge, a rookie of the year for the American League. So yeah, I feel like if you're a rookie and you're going to win the MVP, you're probably yeah. shoe in for the rookie of the year as well. Don't really need to do a ton of justifying in that yeah. regard. So we we talked about him. He's Aaron Judge has not lacked in recognition this year. So I was watching him last night. I was just hit struck again by just how massive he is. He just he does he looks a little unnatural out there, <laughs> just because he's so tall. Yeah, he's a he's a large man, large man, big strikeout zone. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully the award voters get it right and um, pick the right players that we um, we have all come to consensus on. We'll find that in a, a little bit over a month. All right, so you ready for the best part of the show? Oh yes, I want to put some epic music in here. 
So hopefully future me when I'm editing this puts it in right now. All right, so we covering some of the uh, more atrocious performances. Of you were not excited enough about this, Nick. This is the second annual Mendoza Awards, man. I feel Get bad. Pumped. I mean, these guys had terrible seasons. <laughs> I know, and it's our job to rub it in their faces. Two dudes that couldn't even, oh, I couldn't even play Little League. You could probably, you know, maybe played college. I don't know. I'm terrible at baseball, but I'm good at making fun of people on a microphone. So bring it. Let's do it. Mendozi time. These guys had the ability to be this bad and still be <laughs> in the still majors. Still have a job. <laughs> Some of them to get quite a, quite a few of that. So starting off, I want to start off. We had a three-way tie for the, uh, the worst hitters catcher edition. So to be fair, um, catchers probably have the most flexibility to struggle in that regard, especially if you're a really good defender, work really good with the pitching staff. You're not necessarily up there to to hit 300 or anything like that. But there are three guys in particular that um, had seasons that I really wanted to point out. So first of all, we have Tuffy Gosowich for the Seattle Mariners. He uh, went two for 28 this year, good for a 071 batting average. Uh, Jared Saltalamakia. Uh, Pitts, as he's known, went one for 25, good for a 0.40 batting average. But I think this guy takes the cake. Um, yeah, a little bit better batting average, but this guy got 130 at-bats. Luke Maley, M-A-I-L-E, catcher for the, for the Blue Jays. And 130 at-bats, he had 19 hits. So they gave him that many at-bats for a 146 average. So... So yeah, um, anytime, you know, the Mendoza lines, you know, you're supposed to be over 200. These guys were well, well, well below that. So want to make sure to acknowledge those performances this year. And then the, uh, the Mendoza for the worst hitter non-catcher edition goes to Jorge Soler, which is a bit surprising. Once of great prospect esteem in the Cubs system. Uh, recently traded this past winter as part of the Wade Davis package. Uh, went 14 for 95 this year. Good for a 147 batting average. So this is a guy that was a pretty pretty hot prospect back in the day out of Cuba. And um, he is going in the opposite direction in that regard. So just couldn't get it going this year. So those are the four guys that I, that I wanted to bring up. Congratulations, gentlemen. You can't hit water if you fall out of a boat. All right. <laughs> All right. On so. to the, oh, gosh. Worst hitter strikeout edition. And this is where things get interesting, Nick. Very interesting. So the only batter, we had several last year, but the only batter who struck out more than 200 times this year was the aforementioned Aaron Judge. Yes, the AL MVP and AL Rookie of the Year led the league <laughs> what does well, it all mean Cam? in strikeouts I, I i don't even know man how how can one be the rookie of the year and the mvp and strike out over 200 times i i want to know how many of have his at bats were non-home run walk or strikeout related 
it had to be very low <laughs> where he just you know would get a base hit or would actually like ground out or fly out you know well not many of them are walks i'll tell you that much so but yeah impressive i mean that go, it goes to how many games he was able to play but yeah he's right on that line of you know any, anytime you're at 30 percent or over in the strikeout rate that's that's very risky for being able to maintain um and to be actually a, a major league hitter. So he's, he was right at that 30.7 K rate. Um, so yeah, it can't get much worse uh, or it's going to get in some really bad territory where, you know, he's one of those guys that is going to be really good for a period of time. But when it goes south, it's uh, going to go south really fast. So we'll see. We'll see what trend as far as his batting at or his strikeout rate goes. I mean, he's already, he's 25. He's not young, young. Um, he's not a young prospect. So if he gets, you know, in the next three years, that, that strikeout rate maintains or increases a little bit. And I'm not sure if I'm the Yankees, I'm going to give him a, you know, super long extension because by the time he hits his mid-30s, he could turn into Ryan Howard and <laughs> just become an albatross for for anyone that gives him, a you know, a large contract like that. So I did some quick math while you were talking. You wanted to know how many of his, um, what was it again? His at-bats did not result in a home run. Strikeout or or a walk. So he had 542 at-bats. He had 208 strikeouts, 127 walks. So he did walk more than I thought he did. And 52 home runs. That leaves 155 at-bats. That's where insane. it was, which is, and he played 155 games. So one, one at bat per game. That wasn't a home run, a strikeout or a walk. I, one thing to, I think walks don't count for batting or for at bats. So I think you, so I so think you want to do the walks back. Yeah. Add the walks so, back for play to, so that'd be total play appearances, but it's no, still like, I'm not looking at plate appearances here. It doesn't show me that. But still, it makes it 282, which is less than two per game. Which is still incredible. Because, I mean, you're, you're getting four or five at-bats a game, so. Yeah, just some rough math. You know. <laughs> That's what we do here. On Truth the, is relative, whatever. Do, doing the Mendozies. So, any math majors out there that want to correct us? Well, I just don't have the plate appearances stat in front of me. Otherwise, I could have done actual math. You just Anyways. Walk- Never mind. Yeah, move on. So, <laughs> so because we didn't have that many strikeouts, I wanted to dive a little deeper into uh, K rates. So I did find some interesting information that uh, could frame some careers in the future. So you know how I said over 30% K rate is pretty unsustainable? Uh-huh. So we've got three pretty well-known guys who are well over that. So Chris Davis the uh, designated hitter for the Orioles had a 37.2 K rate this year. So he had 195 strikeouts and 465 at bat. So, so let me, let me just clarify here. The dude whose job is designated hitter. His only job is to hit the ball. Mm-hmm. Missed 37.2% of the time. Yes. You might want to fix that. Yeah. 
he he might want to fix that. Yeah. So he, I mean, this is a guy. He got four and sixty four and fifty six at bats. I mean, this is a power hitter. He only hit twenty six home runs and had Yikes. a three three hundred nine on base percentage. So that is ooh, that's yeah, bad. That's, Very bad. He, he he belongs on this list. So bad year for Chris Davis. Uh, Joey Gallo. So he. This is a guy that is probably, on tools-wise, probably has the greatest power. You know, definitely rivals Giancarlo and Judge. You know, he could hit him as far as those guys, but he's also a more 3 true outcome guy as far as, you know, he strikes out uh, 36.8% of the time. And, um, yeah, so that's that's not good. He's going to have to improve on that. Um, to uh, to maintain con- consistency in that regard, so he did end up with a better year. He had 41 home runs and 80 RBIs, but only a 3.33 on base percentage. So, yeah, it's not good. It's not good. I mean, he was a guy that everyone kind of expected him to to strike out a lot, but you know, over 36 percent. That's uh, that's not good. Well, and the fact that his RBIs were so low, like okay. 41 home runs, 80 RBIs. That means he only brought home teammates 39 times across 162 games. He did walk. He walked 14% of the time, which is high. So that's what he's going to have to continue to do. But it's it's interesting. He he was with the Rangers for 17 games last year. And 30 plate appearances, he struck out 63% of the time. So very, very small sample size. Obviously he was not ready. Um, but yeah, I mean, looking at his minor league numbers, he's pretty consistently in the, in 2012, he was 26.9% in rookie ball in 2012 in a ball. He was 38, almost 39%, 33%, 37, 2014, he was at 26. So this is a guy that strikes out a lot. But he also is pretty consistently in the fifteen percent walk percentage, which is also elite. That's so very confusing. That's very he's, confusing. He's a fascinating guy. He pitchers must not really give him much to hit. Or well, he, I feel he, like he's really good at identifying pitches outside of the zone, but if they're inside of the zone, he's just like, I'm just gonna swing. I'm just gonna swing go as hard for as it. I can. And like that's yeah, it's to be all or nothing. To be have the second highest percentage in strikeouts, but also be elite in walk rate. Like that is, that is a conundrum that I don't quite understand. I don't either. And then this is also Trevor story had a 34.4% K rate. So that's a shortstop who was striking out that much. So he's also a power guy, but he only ended up in over 500 bats hitting 24 home runs. So. He's not he's not necessarily the second coming of Troy Tulowitzki. <laughs> and they have a, a prospect in double A that was a top three pick a few years ago that I think eventually would be his spot. But yeah, you can't strike out that many times in, in Major League Baseball and have a long career. So those will be people to kind of watch and see if they uh if their strikeout rates continue at that pace. That's not good. That's a lot of strikeouts. Yeah, yeah. I feel like he flew too close to the sun too early. So I wanted to finish up the the hitting 
Mendozies by crowning the player with the worst war, which is wins above replacement. So this was quite fascinating uh, statistic. So would you have ever guessed that Albert Pujols would be a minus two wins above replacement player? Ever? Yes. Um, this year, I don't know. I haven't really played, paid that much attention to him. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, just because, I mean, he's stuck watch out a lot in of LA. Angels games. No, and uh, so Meredith has family that lives in LA, and they're diehard Angels fans, and, you know, season tickets, and this. so they were in town for the eclipse that happened, you know, this summer. Mm-hmm. And we were talking baseball, and they brought up Albert Pujols and that contract, and how you know angry they were. And but you know, it's like I know he's not been doing great since he's been out there, and he's totally you know on the the downward trend in his career. But yeah, minus two, man, worst in the league. That's uh, that's not a crown you want to wear. So yeah, that basically says that if you just put an anyone. average, an average, <laughs> not even anyone that good, really. Um, they would win, you know, two more games a year than putting the the corpse of Albert Pujols out there. I want to know. I want to know how they calculate that. That's I'm not right now. Maybe we can do a do do a sabermetric show in the off season, maybe. But because that's a very interesting concept to me. We can yeah break down. There's a ton that goes into it, but I mean, just looking. I mean, he didn't play defense much, but when he did, he. He got brutal scores in defense and offensive efficiency, base running, um, WRC plus. That's a you know that's a measure of hitting ability on a more even scale. So if you're at a hundred, that means you're average, and he's at seventy eight. So he's twenty two percent worse than an average hitter in that regard. So I mean, the guy got he played in one hundred forty nine games, had six hundred thirty six plate appearances. Um, and had 23 home runs, and he actually had 101 RBIs. So that that goes to, you know, how, what RBIs does that really dictate value? Um, it means that Mike Trout was on base in front of him a lot, and he was able to drive him in basically. So, but, um, yeah, he was kind of a clog when he did get on base. You know, he's clogging up the bases and, um not being a super productive hitter outside of that in that regard. So, you know, overall he hit, um, oh, what's it? Yeah, he hit 241 with a 286 OBP. So that's what really drove down his value. Didn't even slug 400, 386. So that's pretty atrocious. Um, That's why his numbers are so bad. But when you're paying him that amount of money, you can't just... I guess you could let him sit on the bench, but that uh, that was bad. So could have cost the Angels a real chance to push for the playoffs this year by playing him. But kind of amazing that you have the most probably, you know, Mike Trout. You know, he's probably shooing to win the AL MVP if he doesn't miss two months of the year. But you you have probably the most valuable player in the league when he's playing full time, and then also the least valuable hitting two and three in the lineup. So. Shout out to, to Albert Pujols. Congratulations. <laughs> I'm sure he's going he's gonna to write it and thank us for <laughs> detailing his season. Probably, I wish you would have never left the Cardinals because you would have been sucking them dry now and instead of 
Yeah. They ended up working out good for the Cardinals, I guess. So yeah, pitching-wise, I wanted to, to hand out a few awards. So first one goes to Chris Tillman, just overall, for being the worst pitcher, starting <laughs> pitcher in the league. Um, so they gave him, the Orioles gave him 91 innings. Uh, at a 771 ERA. So it's no wonder the Orioles were not that good this year when you're trotting out guys like Chris Davis to strike out all the time and Chris Tillman to get lit up that much in 91 innings. So, and then a few, uh, you know, shorter appearances that of note, just how impressive with how bad they were. So Jeremy Guthrie made a one start for the Nationals and had ended up the year with a 135 ERA and a 15 whip and uh, two innings pitched and point. Not so he got two, two out. Yes. Yeah. So he got two outs. So extrapolated over nine innings, he would, he would have given up 135 runs with 15 guys on base per inning. <laughs> that's hilarious. That's, that's sustainable. I mean, I, you can win with that. That's an incredible, <laughs> that's so, so bad. I don't think the Nationals won that game. <laughs> I would venture to say. And then um, our worst relieving performance was a guy named William Cuevas for the Marlins. And uh, he got one out in an inning and had a 108 ERA with a nine whip. So a little bit better. Yikes. Um, extrapolated every time. So, so yeah, Mendoza, uh, you want to get out? Yes, I want to give uh, thus far, and it's only been uh, a game, a game of the 2017 playoffs. Uh, the worst pitching performance of this year's playoffs goes to Luis Severino, who gave up three earned runs in one third of inning, calculating an 81 ERA. Well done, young man. Even though he had a really yeah, good year, which I feel horrible about. But it just goes yeah, to probably, show you, like I said, go ahead. Pro- probably could have been argued that he was yeah third or fourth in the American League Cy Young race, but yeah, like you know, when you definitely go definitely in in the in the hunt. When you go out in your first playoff game and give up three runs and aren't able to get out of the first inning, yeah, you're going to win the Mendoza for the worst playoff performance, especially since that's the only game. <laughs> yeah, small pool to choose from, but an obvious choice. So, real live update, um, John Gray is kind of in the running for that as well, although he was able to finish one inning. So, top of the second, the Diamondbacks are up three to nothing, but uh, John Gray in his one inning Gave up five hits and three runs, so a little bit, little bit better performance, and in, in that he was able to finish an inning. But I guess there's still a ways to go, as he's probably still in the game. Well, I mean, his ERA is a measly twenty-seven, so yeah, that's not eighty-one. <laughs> Talk to me when you get to Jeremy Guthrie's one thirty-five ERA. Yeah, goodness gracious. Well, man, that was quite the uh, stroll down terrible lane right there with all that nasty numbers. You know, there's only one place you can get the Mendozies, and that's here on the Mendoza Line Podcast. So true. Well. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, I guess we'll be back uh, with some. Yeah, some playoff. Some, tale, some tales of playoff lore in the future. Um, if anyone wants to get into contact with us just to say hey, or to perhaps suggest a Mendoza Award winner that we may have missed in our uh, in-depth research. You can do so on Twitter. Nick is at Coatsy, C-O-A-T-S-I-E-E. I'm at Cam Brennan. You can email us, hello, at supermegacorp.net. And if you just love the show so much, 
but you want to give us money, I'm not going to say no to that. Go to patreon.com slash supermechacorp and see what all the fun is about. And uh, I guess until next time, play ball. See ya. Bye.